Hey, this is Bill Fickner, and you're listening to Out Now. Stay tuned. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi, hello. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We also like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or some thoughts on the news of the day, or something completely different. And this is this is another hodgepodge episode. We another another week of studios being like, what if we didn't release anything major? And we're like, okay, we'll scramble and figure something out. And we did because there's movies to talk about. There's always movies to talk about, and that's what we're gonna do. There you go. I mean, you know, I I call the studios personally. And I'm like, hey, are you guys like you know being lazy or just giving us a break? They're, they say that they're giving us a break, which is nice. <laughs> We've seen a lot of movies over the summer, and it's kind of closing, coming to a close, and. It's not that they give us a little bit of a breather, but you know, it, it's funny because you say that, and I I agree with you. At the same time, <laughs> I wrote because like if, if I'm not writing like a main review for mm-hmm. like for Wheel of Entertainment, if I'm not writing like one single review, I write these in-house reviews, which is just a collection of somewhat smaller reviews. Yeah. This week I wrote usually it's like six different movies within that. This week uh-huh. I wrote eight. So I mean, it's not eight. Like, it's not like there weren't movies. Like, there yeah. were so many. There movies. was a lot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> large, large temple ones. Let me let me call it John MGM right now. I know. Just... Yeah, I know you're referring to like large temple ones, and, he, and it, you know, I do what I can as far as big, big movies and small movies as far as single reviews. But it's like mm-hmm. there, there was a lot of stuff I covered this week. It's there ridiculous. is. I mean, there's there's things that are released every day. So yeah. uh, movies are hard to make, but there's also a lot of them, and uh, sometimes we only see the ones that. They get the twenty million dollar marketing budgets. Well, we're going to talk about ones that got probably even less than twenty million dollars <laughs> for marketing this week. But uh, we, you know, we have a number of things we want to talk about. But the the you know the kind of the emphasis will be placed upon uh, both Emily the Criminal and Netflix's Day Shift. So we'll get to those soon enough. First, let's get to some show notes. First up, new commentary track. I am always excited about these commentary tracks, but this one's especially pretty mm-hmm. cool because we talked about Kiss Me Deadly. A Aww. film noir from 1955. Uh, myself, Scott Mendelson, Brandon Peters, and Yancey Burns were all on task to test our our film noir and classic film knowledge, uh, and we came up with what I think is a really packed track full of both fun <laughs> and information and cool facts and other things of that nature. Packed track. You should trademark that. I try to, and let me tell you, the John the, John, John trademarked to no. I, I, it's in you know it's in the works. I, okay, I'm right. tossing my you know I toss my stone onto the other side of the river. We'll see if it tosses back at me. That's a metaphor, right? Never heard that one. I, <laughs> I'll get a trademark that one too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, we, uh, we talked about "Kiss Me Deadly." Really fun track. Really informative. Mm. I, I I like to think that we did Criterion proud when it comes to having film scholars on their discs to talk yeah. about movies at length. Uh, so I can hear old. them clapping right now. I. I'd like They're in the next it, room. Yeah, it's a golf clap. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a loud applause. Oh, good. Okay, I yeah. like that kind. They were proud. They're they're waiting for somebody to pick it up in the Criterion closet. <laughs> Someone always gets locked in there by accident. <laughs> the first person I thought of that got locked in was like Paul Dano. <laughs> you, yeah, no, no shit. I was also thinking Paul Dano. <laughs> It's like it would be Paul Dano. I don't Dano know why, don't know why that was a go-to option, but I was also thinking Paul Dano would get locked in the. Like, it would be Greta. Closet. Greta knows how to get out. That's really funny. It's <laughs> such a weirdly insane thing to think of. I Paul Dano got locked we in just, there. We've been doing the show for too long. Apparently, oh boy. Um, okay, so "Kiss Me Deadly," the new commentary track that's available on, on iTunes, where you can find all the other episodes of our show, 
And if you're on iTunes and you're looking through all the episodes being like, wow, that's a lot of episodes. You can also be like, wow, that's a rating review tab. <laughs> you can check out. <laughs> you knew where I was going and I went there. Um, and so you can click that tab and give us a rating review, which would be great. Pop us up in the old iTunes charts. Thank you so much in advance. All right. Let's. um. Oh, what am I? T- what am I doing? Before we before we move on, we still have the other major showdown of the week. It's of course the summer movie gamble update. <laughs> oh, can't forget <laughs> that one. Of course not. Uh, Abe and I, along with many other frequent guests of the show, are locked in on an intense battle over who is going to have properly, most closely predicted the top ten highest grossing films of the summer at the domestic box office. I feel like it's August. I got to get more intense every week. We do this now. Uh huh. So. Casey Kasem, ten down, ten to gonna, ten to one. We're gonna we're gonna get some updates. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is go. turning into a '90s trailer. <laughs> I can see all the explosions on the screen already. With In a world letters. where Brad Pitt and Arnold Schwarzenegger used to rule strong, only one man remains, but ten other podcasters. More than Arnold like has a movie coming out. Does he? Zeus. That's not a movie. <laughs> <laughs> he did it for a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's see. Last week, Bullet Train was at the top of the box office. This week, nothing else opened. So, of course, Bullet Train is still at the top of the box office. It made another $13 million. It's at 54 right now. I'm very curious how much it can make within the time it has before the end of our summary gamble because it's going to be a close race to see who gets that number 10, number 9, number 8 slot, I'm guessing. So, let's see. DC Super Pets made another $7 million, so it's, it made 58 so far. Mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick. Back in theater, back in back in more screens. It hasn't left theaters, but now it's back in IMAX and select screens. It's it's got it got like another couple hundred screens again because why not? And it has six hundred seventy three million dollars. Nice. <laughs> like it's that's so much money. I know it, in in a relatively shortish time span too. That that that's that's more than Titanic. Um, well, yeah. that's so high. I I gave my money to U.S. Marshals instead during that year. <laughs> that was the one movie during that yeah. early, during the early then, part of yeah. 98 you're like u.s marshals it's like u.s marshals we need to see what happens to sam gerard <laughs> and his team yes yeah one of them doesn't make it out spoiler yeah. alert yeah does joe pan still have hair in that movie no but he's wearing his cap i think yeah he's wearing the cap for sure the, maybe he does have hair then underneath the cap he has well he has decidedly a lot in the fugitive i think he i decidedly I, Yes, like his for, agent was like, "Hey, we're not gonna go unless he gets a full wig." For Joe Pants, he has a lot of hair in that movie. Yeah, like, well, like I mean, her... Joe Pants is always a. I mean, he he has good wigs in later movies, so I wouldn't be surprised for sure. Like it comes and goes, but like yeah. I, I, mainly because I've just been like Fugitive keeps coming up on like random <laughs> like on I think it's like IFC or Sundance. It's like uh-huh. just like happens to be on TV while I'm having dinner sometimes. So I've seen like various bits of that movie over and over again at this point. Yeah. Uh, but it's just fun seeing Joe Pants walking around with hair. There you go. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder made another five million. It's at three hundred twenty-five total. Uh, Minions is uh, made another four million, and it's at three forty-three. Looks like Minions is probably going to keep its its hold over Thor. Okay. Uh, nope made five million. It's at one hundred and seven. So quite across the hundred. Okay. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, these are all just domestic, obviously. Where the Crawdad sings, uh, still making money. It's at seventy-two. It's I mean, a, more than I thought, which is it, good. It has 72, and I think, where's the black? The black phone's, some, it's not even on the anymore, but it's... Plus? D- uh, worldwide, it's at over 150. Oh, uh, over, okay. Worldwide, it's over, which is great but for in general yeah. for the movie, but it's at 87. So as far as these two movies, which were both um, dark horse picks for mm-hmm. most of us, 
Black Phone has a pretty good chance of being like number 10 or number probably number 10, like depending on how much money something else makes. So we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elvis is at 141 total. Um, not that it's going to make the top 10, but Bodies, Bodies, Bodies made 3 million this weekend, which I think is like, uh, it's, that's uh, almost more than all of Marcel the Shell in his first week. <laughs> <laughs> but one of them has, has a rewatch power. As, as far as which A24 movie Abe could have picked. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dark horse, dark horse for a reason. And uh, let's see. Um, well, we'll get to some of these in my quickies, but Fall um, barely hit number 10 with 2 million <laughs> this week. Movie that I didn't know was it was even coming out until like three weeks ago when I saw the first trailer. Oh, you've been missing out on the Fall trailers. I know. <laughs> what, am I, what am I doing with my life? And not for nothing, uh, but Lal Singh Shada, this is the Indian remake of Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. hit number 12 this week and made $1.4 million. I've heard good things. I've even heard some people say that it might be better than Forrest Gump. There's a lot of people that don't like Forrest Gump. So, yeah, I I, I, <laughs> I can imagine that that's probably the sentiment for those people. <laughs> Just in terms of it's a well-done remake, and uh, it might even exceed some portions. So. Uh, oh, and E.T. E.T.'s back in IMAX for a couple Never of heard of it. Made one million bucks, and it uh, hit. it's at a 436 domestic in its total lifetime right now. There you go. Adjusted for inflation, it's fucking insane. It's probably like 700 million or something like that. This is but, probably why we've never seen uh, uh, E.T. act again. Exactly. Yeah, he, re- yeah. he retired. Except for that Xfinity commercial. He came back for that. <laughs> you know, you do one every now and again to make sure people know who you he are. He has kids. You know, you got to send him the call. He's got kids. <laughs> He's got <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, Sorry. It, it's a plant. It has kids. Oh. Well. <laughs> let, me, let me be sure here. Yeah. You know, you got to um, pay the bill somehow. Yeah. Um, but by the way, for anyone that's going to see E.T., you know, if you're seeing it, you, you've probably already seen it before. Maybe strap in the old Out Now commentary track for E.T. while you're watching it. it just just saying that out loud. Yeah. You can do that. We'll tell you when to press play. Yeah, ex- we do. Too. Or you can actually <laughs> listen beforehand, figure out where we press play. I mean, while you're waiting for the movie to start, yeah, you listen exactly. to the show. You know, it's, it's more exciting than the... than um. Than the movie pre-show with uh, what Menounos, right? Just listen. To, oh, uh, Maria Menounos. <laughs> just listen to our podcast. And she knows how to play games. Pause, pause it right at the uh, right at the start, and then you'll be go. ready to go. Exactly. Okay, that's enough of this. Um, <laughs> that's our summer Campbell recap. Here. Thank you for the update. Yeah. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get some out now quickies. Trademark. Each with that, we with that, we with that quickies. Trademark. Abe. You were yes. curiously absent last week, unfortunately. So <laughs> curiously <now> I... <laughs> absent. I was helping my mom move out of town, yes. Out of town, meaning like I was out of town helping my mom move. <laughs> uh, I was supposed to read that yeah. multiple ways. Exactly. I was like, oh, no, no, no we're, not, we're not in trouble. <laughs> She's on the run? Like, <laughs> yeah. From all of her train part two. So we we so we saw we saw there was a couple of movies to talk about last week. Were you we able to catch up with both of those? I did. Yeah, I caught up with both of them. Uh, you guys talked about. I think you guys talked about Bullet Train first. Yes. Uh, Bullet Train. I, I enjoyed it for uh the romp that it was, and it's directed by uh, David Leach, who has done a lot of action movies. Um, because he was a stunt choreographer turned director, and I think that he was Brad Pitt's. Uh, he was his double. Stunt, yes. Yeah, stunt double. So. It's cool that you're able to get these these guys in your movie. Um, the movie itself is, like what I said, a fun romp, but I don't think it, it, at times it felt as though it was like one or two paces off from being 
a really slick movie if uh, if that makes any sense because um, it has like a lot of style points and has like a lot of panache but I think like if, if it really wanted to accomplish that I think it is a little bit slow um, not in a bad way it just it's its own thing but uh, it certainly borrows from some ideas that we've seen before and um, I think we've seen a lot of like sort of some action stuff uh, with it too there's a lot of really fun people that show up in this movie, uh, a lot of cameos, and as well as like the, the main cast. Um, I think that they're the person who sort of is uh, co MVP would be Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brad Pitt. Uh, I think this is a great movie for for you. Uh, seeking Seeking Therapy is great, and, and this is a great advocate. This is a great advocate movie for that. Um, as far as like the style stuff goes, I think the Bad Bunny sequence was probably the most stylish that I was really engaged with. Um, and again, I had a good time, but I certainly had a lot of questions after the fact. And uh, I think those questions sort of revolve around, uh, was it too much of sauce and not enough of uh, meat? Uh, so was it all a lot of like flash without a lot of substance? And I think partially the answer is yes. Um, there's really yes, not a whole that's lot the answer. Of, like, that's plot. correct. Yeah, there's <laughs> really not a whole lot of plot with, with regards to like what happens. Um, there's also not enough like emotional stakes. So when things do happen in this movie you're you sort of feel them at the same time you're just like okay well i guess we got to keep going um and you know there's not really a whole lot that that anchors you to these characters um and then some of the reviews and some of the cameos i'm just like okay i get it like you're cool with everybody it seemed it certainly seemed as though there was like uh, another movie that we talked about previously this summer that we're filming like next door and they're just like hey can you guys drop in for like an hour uh and uh you know two people that they're in that movie or show up in this movie but I, I I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I think that it certainly is something that I hope that Hollywood doesn't do too much of, which is let me get a big name actor um, and put him into this pretty intense uh, action movie. Um, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. I think that it works out in Atomic Blonde and in John Wick is because those are fairly contained stories, meaning like they're, they're fairly like grounded in that one of them is about the Cold War. Um, and then the other one is about like a world that keeps building upon itself, um, like this fake underground world. Um, and this one is just like, well, you know, it's like whimsical and fun and flashy and there's a lot of lights, but uh, I don't really know if it really amounts to too much. So um, that was Bullet Train. Uh, as far as Prey goes, I dug Prey. I thought Prey was pretty terrific. Um, a little bit slow to start. But once it picks up, you're just like really in it. And I'm not even talking about like, you know, an hour or something. I'm talking about like maybe like 10 minutes, just like give backstory about who these people are or who the, who our um, protagonist is and what she's up to, like what what uh, she's trying to accomplish. But what I really, really dug is, and I'm, I'm a really bummed out about this, is that um, it looks great. Like the movie looks great yeah. I, on a TV screen. But I would just, I was imagining some of these like, you know um what do what they call them like placement shots um establishing shots establishing shots yeah yeah where it's just like the forest or like an open field I mean, they shot this like uh in i think parts of canada yeah. and maybe like the northern plains kind of thing but it's like it looks great and i was just like this is such a bummer that i have to watch like this thing on like this you know uh, 65 inch tv but it, it really <laughs> the inches. I know, I, but the thing is, like, it, it really does think that this movie was clearly not made to be for the screen. Like, I think that I think that we could we we've seen 
other movies and maybe even some that are in the the, the alien predator universe probably just the predator universe that could be made for tv but this is not one of those movies and so it's a bummer that you see like these really really beautiful shots there's even like one kill like in an open field that was like this would have been great on on a large screen um, because there's like a big burst of blood and you're just like this would have been uh so dope and then the final action sequence it would have been great on, on a large screen all that being said, um, I thought that it was really terrific in that it really engages you with these characters. Um, we've seen things like The Predator and Predators, where it seems as though I think Pre- The Predator, written directed by Shane Black, is a little bit tongue-in-cheek about just action movies in general um, and about this property that he's been a part of for you know 20-some-odd years, 30-some-odd uh, years. But I, I, those movies kind of had like people that the predator got through and and just killed for the sake of like killing. And this one's much more focused on like, well, here's like two people, a brother and sister duo that have to take care of uh, business. And then the predator is kind of like in, in their way, sort of, uh, sort of. And yeah, the focus is on them. They're the, yeah, the focus is on, is on these, these human uh, characters. And then you get the predator element of it. And the predator just doesn't hold back at some points. I thought there were some really, really cool, sequences but overall like i thought it was just terrific i thought it was a really good watch and i'm glad that it's been going strong i think hulu has reported that it's like been three weeks at their their most streaming thing on their on their site which is great um and uh for dan trachtenberg i I hope that he gets a a pretty good project out of this you know uh, it's he's proven that he can direct like smaller movies like we both watched 10 cloverfield lane i think that um i think we both enjoyed it yeah, uh, and then you got this movie here where it's a little bit larger in scale in terms of just the set pieces and also the locations, but it's still a fairly contained story. Again, it's about like two a brother sister duo and a predator, so still like three people, um, and it, it just is really really good. So I would recommend people to go see it. Um, and if it comes out in theaters, of course I'm going to go and try and see it in theaters. But it was kind of a shame because it like, sadly it won't for various contractual probably, reasons. Yeah. Did you watch it in in a large format? Fortunately, I was uh, given the opportunity to okay. go to a press screening in a right, large right. theater to watch it, and you would not be disappointed. <laughs> it yeah. is a very good looking movie, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, so it's kind of a shame, but you know, I guess I'll just have to buy a bigger TV <laughs> and then return it the next day. <laughs> but Predator is a hoot, and you should check it out. But I'm sure that you guys, I think you guys all had similar agreement. Uh, yeah, everything you just Prey. said about both Bullet Train and Prey, we largely agree with uh, yeah. to the point of where the Bullet Train review was significantly shorter than the Prey review. <laughs> it's more, <laughs> more enthusiasm, more enthusiasm about Prey uh, as yeah. far as these kind of, you know, big B summer movies go. Right. Um, I just want to shout out two other things, um, mm-hmm. which I watched. Um, so uh, HBO Max, uh, I was flipping through and uh, Wong, or Wong Kar Wise. Uh, Chunking Express is still there, but related to that, I guess, was Police Story. So I watched Police Story with Jackie Chan. The first one. The first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just want to just everybody's seen this movie. It's great. Um, Jackie not, Chan. I would, I would argue not enough people have seen this movie. <laughs> oh well, people should great. see it. It's yeah. great. Um, but uh, Jackie Chan is like a master stunt performer, um, including a lot of set pieces that he designs and then executes himself. There is a scene early-ish on in this movie where there's like a gunfight. The gunfight's not really anything to write home about. But there's a scene, there's a part at the at the gunfight where they have to the bad guys are trying to escape. They can't go up the mountain, they can't go down the mountain. So he's like, just go through the city, like this little town on yeah. this hillside. And I was watching this and I was like, 
Oh my gosh, they had to build like a fake shanty town on like a mountainside and then drive like six cars. Like um, there's only three cars, but they probably have like, you know, six cars that just like blow up at the bottom. Yeah. And then like three stunt cars that actually like make it through. It's like, this is insane. And like that's this just, level of scale. <laughs> and that's just a piece of like a 30 minute action sequence that opens yeah. the movie. I mean, it's and that whole that Shantytown sequence. I mean, Michael Bay directly takes that for Bad Boys, too. I mean, it's like it's a very influential yeah. movie. the first police story. Right. Yeah. So I was just like, man, they don't they just really don't. They they probably don't really do stunts like this as much anymore. Uh, you know, probably for like time and, and money and, and everything else. It depends else, on the but... movie. Like, I mean, the fast sure. movies do practical stuff a lot and everything. But yeah. I, know what you're, I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, as far as. Also, speaking of practical, scrappy stuff, yeah. Prey, very practical. It looks great. Um, but yeah, no, it looks scrappy. It looks great. It's like a scale that you wouldn't think of. Uh, probably like back in back then, like in the eighties. But it's really, really. And then he goes right onto like another stunt, which is yeah, like the bus this, sequence, this whole bus right? thing, which is amazing right, with the umbrella. And <laughs> yeah. just this is it, like who who thinks of this stuff and who can execute this and. It's actually very apropos for for what we're gonna talk about later with day shift and just the theme of of action choreographers making movies. But it's yeah, pretty, police story. Yeah, Check police story rocks. Like it's it's in the top. Like it's gotta be top three of Jackie Chan's like movies. But for you, it's yeah. so yeah, because it's that and like Drunken Ranging Master Drunken Two, Master? Drunken yeah. Master Two. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, those two like right, but like yeah. super, but that first one is so crazy. And it's coming after like like Jackie Chan had done all these other, he did all the ones with like Sema Hung and the and the third, right. like, um his because there's three of them. Yeah, I never, I never, I, at I never, this point, he probably is already directing his own stuff already. Well, so. yes, but but I was like, he, they, they those three were working together. Jackie Chan goes to America for mm-hmm. a little bit, doesn't want, doesn't do well there, doesn't like it, comes right. back and just wants to make like his own movies and mm-hmm. and he and he names them generic on purpose so people don't know what they're about so they can't copy them ahead of time. So uh-huh. he just calls it Police Story, <laughs> and makes this <laughs> ball to the wall crazy action movie. Right. And then like Police Story Two is solid. Uh, it's not as good as this one, but it has a crazy fireworks factory ending that's mm. a, spectacular okay then three is super cop which rules uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. super cop i've seen that that uh vhs cover and then four is first strike which is just called jackie chan's first strike in america mm-hmm. uh but that also is just, that's where it like becomes like a bond movie and it leans into comedy and it's just still fun i mean he's fighting degrees underwater with sharks in that movie i mean he's just it's crazy call mark hoffermeyer <laughs> oh he's he's well aware of first strike <laughs> <laughs> But no, I'm glad you enjoyed Police Day. Yeah, check out check out two yeah. and uh and uh and Super Cop. I'll, yeah, sure. I'll have to check out the the I guess the series. The series, yeah, yeah. But like most people have probably seen like First Strike and probably Super Cop to some degree. But like two is Police Warrior one and two. Those are just and he, and you know he sings the theme song. I mean he's got all that. And uh, and you're <laughs> what, Jackie Chan what, is a huge star in mm-hmm. Hong Kong, yeah. dude. Yeah, he's like, and you got Maggie Chung, um, uh, just thanklessly in the in, as his wife in the roles. I mean. <laughs> There you go. So yeah, Police Story, HBO Max. Check it out. Uh, I've seen a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, first up is the other new release of the week, Fall. Yes. Um, this is a disaster thriller involving two uh, female mountain climbers who, um, I, I guess, a tragedy occurs. And so one's like kind of falls off doing this thing. And then she's encouraged by her best friend to climb up this enormous, uh, like 2,000 feet all tv tower mm-hmm. um as a way to kind of cleanse her spirit and get back into the spirit of climbing regardless they climb up this giant thing the ladder at the top breaks 
And so they're stuck on top of the thing. Oh, no. Um, the chunk of this movie that's all about that, which is obviously the majority of the movie, is really solid. Like, it, it's it, it's pretty tense. They do. There's a lot of good vertigo-inducing shots to kind of emphasize the stakes of the situation. It's effective. I, I'm less into the beginning of this movie, which has some questionable acting choices and some... Uh-huh visual effects um, that I was very not into and was wondering, is this going to be the rest of the movie? And thankfully it wasn't. And then the ending's just kind of rushed. But like, the thing you came to see delivers. So in that regard, fall works. It's not one that I race out to see in the theater, but it's certainly, <laughs> and I watch it on a TV. So, I mean, it does the job for the thing that it's trying to do. Yeah. It has a couple tropes in there that are becoming more and more of a thing in movies involving two people in peril. Um, that you will very easily be able to recognize, uh, hmm. but uh, I'm going to ask you after the show. Regardless, it uh, it's 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 solid for the thing that it's trying to do the most. Um, so it has that going for it. Okay. Uh, another film I saw that came out this week is called Mac and Rita. This is with Diane Keaton, and it's a body switch comedy. Now, generally, <laughs> <Diane> Keaton. <laughs> generally, you get body switch comedies is usually like you know, kid turns to an adult or vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. This one, you have a thirty-year-old woman who has a a spirit of an old soul, and she and during some kind of <laughs> broken suntan bed incident, uh, she transfers into she turns into Diane Keaton. Mm. Uh, the now. Time, time, time travel body? No, just like just her, but just she becomes Diane Keaton. She's still like in her same time, uh-huh. uh, so she's still like just an old. She's she's an older Diane Keaton, just in modern time. Got it. Okay, uh, with like people she knows or whatnot. And obviously, she has to like, convince one of them that she's who she is. Yeah. Uh, the conceit of this is clever, as far as well. I haven't seen that version of body switch before, and yeah, you know, and, a, an adult woman turns into an older woman. That's fine. And Diane Keaton, you know, she's a legendary actress and she's done her share of comedies and whatnot. Yeah. But the movie just has nothing going for oh. it. Like, I, I'd i like to think that, like, the, the fans of, like, Book Club and other, like, recent Diane Keaton movies that just want to see her, like, be zany in, in a movie, mm-hmm. they'll probably get something out of this. I was trying my hardest to just, like, just find this agreeable, but it just has, it's just, like, skit after skit of this is what happens when an older person does this thing. <laughs> And it's just, it was just really tiresome. <laughs> oh, uh, is it thankfully short? Like an hour and 30, hour and 40? Yes, it's 90 minutes. So Okay, well, that, I guess that's it. good. I mean, you know, Diane Keaton, you know, she plays Kay Corleone. I'm sure she's just like, I, I just need to do comedies <laughs> from now on. <laughs> so that's the reason why. She's like, it's just too intense doing drama. I, mean, I mean, she was doing that in like Woody Allen movies at the same yeah, time. I know, so she's it's doing like... Annie Hall and <laughs> all those New York movies. <laughs> but yeah, it's just... So quir- quirky uh, geriatric hijinks ensue. Exactly. Got it. Well, it's like if an old person does Pilates, like, you know, <laughs> on, a, on a machine. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, I, can, I can write this in my head right now. Shifting, oh, my over, back. <laughs> shifting over to TV. Yes. Um, I finished The Last Movie Stars and Light and Magic. Oh, okay. Both the Paul Newman, Joanne Woodward documentary. That, uh, yeah, one that we that talked about started, a couple weeks ago. And then the Industrial Light and Magic documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, both are great. Like, they started great, they kept kept being great, and they ended great. Uh, so I, I don't know how else to recommend it, though, just by saying one's an HBO Max, one's a Disney Plus. They're both six episodes 
of just really cool information and interviews and fun stories and what have you. So fully recommend those. Mm-hmm. Two other things I want to recommend. One, I think I brought this up to you too. The the rehearsal with Nathan Fielder. Yes, you did. You asked so, me if I had seen it. So it's five episodes in. It's a six episode season. So next week is the finale. This thing is a trip. Like every week, it just goes like deeper and deeper into this rabbit hole of performance arts and very dry humor and an, like an odd mix of reality and Fielder's choices of how to present reality to us. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's like, like the best you can describe it is just like, what if there's this like anti comedy version of Synecdoche, New York, a movie that's already a pretty deep drama, uh-huh. um, but handled in this kind of comedic lens, but it's fielder, so it's like anti comedy. Yeah, and it, I just find it fascinating. Uh, I Great can't question. wait to see. Synecdoche is not the one that is. That's a Philip Seymour. Hoffman. No, that's that's Anomalisa. Yes, yeah, he's the yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman Thank one, you. where he has a play and he builds a whole world and then it keeps going in on itself. Got it. So the rehearsal is somehow like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's and it's very, very good. Uh, the other show I want to mention, um, The Resort. This is on Peacock, and it's it's um from the create it's from the same person who wrote Palm Springs from a couple years oh. ago. And it also stars Christian Chris, Chris, uh, Kristen Milotti, who is the mm-hmm. star of Palm Springs with Andy Samberg. Um, and um, what's his face? Um, <laughs> Cheedy from The Good Place, who I suggested for Mr. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, 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 I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, it's three names. Uh, William Jackson Harper. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. William Jackson Harper. Uh-huh. Um, Kristen Milotti and William Jackson Harper, they're a married couple. They've gone to a like a resort hotel on a, some island somewhere. Um, is it even an island? It's, it, no, it's like the Yucatan. Um, <laughs> oh, it's a peninsula. Yeah, it's a peninsula. Was so they yeah. go, on to, they go, so they go to like, have a, like a, a romantic vacation, vacation for their anniversary. And they're in this kind of like dire straits as a couple, but they stumble upon a mystery about another resort that was closed down due to a, a hurricane oh. and a couple of people that went missing during this hurricane. Uh-huh. And so the, sh- and so the show becomes this, this both this two timeline series where you're watching their efforts to figure out this mystery while you're also watching the past events of what happened leading up to the mystery. Hmm. And I'm quite intrigued by that. I, I, it's like four episodes in so far, I think maybe more, maybe a couple more, um, but it's very good. Uh, like it's funny and, but it also like you know how like Palm Springs had like dinosaurs in the background in some scenes like yeah. weird stuff like that. This show was kind of doing that too, where it has okay. this kind of it's it's not fully pronounced at least yet. It's probably I feel like it's going deeper into that, but like you can tell like in addition to the fairly straightforward but intriguing plotline that that has going, there's some visual touches taking place and some ideas involving like fate and destiny that it wants to tap into as well that I, I i i find quite interesting and it's it's a very enjoyable show uh that i'm in, that i'm watching so far so okay just wanted to mention, i want to shout that out because it's on peacock a, a network that i think has a number of like original content uh, and original series that are quite good but gets no credit because it's on you know a streaming service that for whatever reason is deemed not popular uh despite <laughs> being that's probably a good thing, you know, if it got too popular, they might HBO Max it. I, I suppose, but it's like <laughs> Peacock is free and it has tons of TV. It's like, I don't know what the point of making yeah. fun of it is. Like, if I can make it, I don't there. make fun of it. 
I, you can watch I, Girls Five Eva on there. I, exactly, and I'm glad yeah. you don't make fun of it because it's like I don't, I don't, I don't get the notion of like making fun of streaming services where it's like, what are networks supposed to do? Not adapt to the day? Like, <laughs> so I'm gonna yeah. come up with my own streaming platform. It's gonna be called like uh, Abe TV. Out now plus. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> do we have an out now regular? <laughs> yeah, it's this podcast. Oh. <laughs> Out now plus where we hire actors to make shows weekly. <laughs> they play us playing other people in TV shows. Oh wow, this is very I got meta. this all mapped out at a chart behind oh. me. It's very oh, it's okay. very elaborate. Hopefully not a lot of red string on that. <laughs> uh, oh, one last thing I'll point out that I watched. Yes. Um I watched the film Heat from director Michael Mann. Never heard of it. It's uh still excellent. It came out with a new 4K <laughs> this week. Uh-huh. It looks and sounds spectacular and very loud because it's a loud yeah. movie. Um, I bought the 4K because I also bought the new novel, Heat 2, mm-hmm. uh, that arrived. That's also by Michael Mann, which is set both in 1988 and to and now, in 2022. Um, supposedly, Michael Mann keeps saying, I'm going to make the movie. So I'm excited to read this book and I'll be excited he, to see what he does the, with this movie. Uh, original source material that he can adapt for the screen. I'm most curious about like what this is going to like. Isn't I haven't like pre. Well, it's uh, both. The, like uh, I said, it's 1988 and 2022, yeah. so it's it has go. dueling timelines going on. But I'm curious if he makes a movie, will it be like young De Niro or like 1988 De Niro? And does he like? That's what I heard that the book is about. It's like before they they. Yeah, that's what. It. Yeah, that's the timeline is set both times, and so it's following the characters. And I'm just right. curious, like if you make a movie of that, are you gonna de-age or like just have a new cast? It's like De Niro and some of the other yeah. people that no, they're gonna do really good casting and they're gonna get like you know how they did Godfather 2 type casting, they're gonna do that for De Niro. I'd welcome this, honestly. Yeah. I think that I <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't know why it should seem novel to do the thing that we did before technology, but yeah. yes, I think that would be a great you know, idea. find somebody that looks like the other uh, the real yeah, get uh, and... get get Dave Franco to do his De Niro you know, impression. <laughs> you know who I was thinking? I was like, you know, we should get uh what's his face? Uh, the guy that I hate from Brooklyn. Um, although he's good in Brooklyn, but he's oh, like, Emery Cohen, yeah, <laughs> get that guy to do it. That's just that's just getting a Brooklyn guy. Like he looks nothing like De Niro. <laughs> no, I know he just like plays a guy from New York. <laughs> that's like you asking. That's like The Rock playing Danny DeVito. He doesn't play Danny DeVito in Jumanji Next Level. He just plays New Yorker, like because he can't do impressions because he's yeah. The Rock. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, he's got like the uh, the New York accent. Like Kevin Hart did a good Danny Glover. The Rock just like, I'll just talk <laughs> New York, right? Like... <laughs> I'm telling you, when we get uh when we get out now plus, uh we're gonna get the rock on a TV show and he's gonna show his range again. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, by the way, I watched Heat, like I said. That yes. movie is two hours and fifty minutes. It's a long movie. And it is a long movie. And you know what? Yeah. I watched it all in one go. How many how how long did it take you to watch movies that are significantly shorter than the Um, like... you know, I, I still haven't seen uh Cold War and um I think I still have to finish like uh I'm, yeah, uh, which ones did you got married? I was about to say, which yeah. ones have you finished yet? <laughs> that's that's what I'm curious. I'm just saying that sometimes, you know, uh you gotta go do the dishes and you're just like, ah, well That's I'll, when you watch the movie while you're I'll doing the, the dishes. On, <laughs> no, but there's a TV in your kitchen? Who is it? Are you rich like the the McAllisters and Home Alone? Is your is your sixty five inch TV not wall mounted? Just turn that baby to the side. <laughs> can't turn the can't turn the TV. If it's wall mounted, <laughs> you can turn the TV. Uh, this is gonna be a great way to do our virtual home layout we, episode. Yeah, it's like <laughs> virtual home layout. 
Get James Wan to direct it. He's he'll do great with the Oh interior. yeah, he gets an establishing yeah. shots through it. Exactly. That's a no quick case. Trademark. <laughs> let's uh let's move on. Let's get a little trailer talk in here. We talk about some new movie trailers of the week, when they're coming out, what we thought of them, and what have you. This week we got another little verses coming out. We have uh we have two searchlight pictures uh arriving in theaters this fall. Uh the first of which is Banshees of Inchirin. Um, which is the newest film from uh, writer-director uh, Martin McDonough. Uh, and then we have The Menu, a uh, assuming dark comedy would be the probably the phrase to use um, from director Mark Milan. Uh The Banshees, uh, that film features uh, uh, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson in a bit of an in Bruges reunion, while The Menu has Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, John Leguizamo, and a bunch of other people. Uh, I pose this to you, Abe, as a question of these two films, which is the one that excites you more? Uh, it is the Mark McDonough film. And I think that this is in large part because of everybody that's involved and the two main leads, as well as Martin McDonough. Uh, we've seen this. We've seen their collaboration before in, in Bruges and McDonough himself has, has a fairly like uh, dark comedic tone in his movies. Uh, you've seen this in in through billboards as well as um, everything that he's directed and written. Uh, but the Banshees is the one that I'm mostly looking forward to because I enjoy Brendan Gleeson and I also enjoy Colin Farrell. This is not to say that I don't like the the folks in the menu, but um, I think the menu sort of is reminiscent of something that we've seen two years ago, uh, the hunt. Uh, but it also, yeah. there is, there's also another movie that's coming out, which isn't on your versus list. Uh, which I, I think I'm a little bit more interested in, which is the um, the Farskull, uh type movie where it's directed by the guy who did um, uh, the one with like the the Avalanche movie. Um, oh, Force Majeure. Um, yeah, Force Majeure. Yeah, the new uh, uh, role, role, Ruben Osland movie. That's him. Uh, Triangle yeah. of Sadness. Yes, that one. Yeah. yeah. So that one interests me a little bit more than the menu, but I, I would be curious to see how both of them go. I mean, they're both searchlight pictures, so. It's probably something like uh, pretty artsy about them, I guess. But the Banshees is the one that I'm more uh, interested in, just because of uh, people that are involved. I probably should have put that on here too. I was focused on the searchlight thing so much that I mm-hmm. forgot about the fact that yeah, that movie actually ties in well. Um, but I, I am very excited about that movie as well. The Triangle of Sadness, just because yeah, I'm a huge very, fan very, of very much. So. I'm a huge fan of Force Majeure and his and the Square, his follow up film from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, the it's obvious that I picked the Banshees as well. Margaret, Martin McDonough has made three films that I adore. Uh, it Bruges, one of my favorite movies, Seven Psychopaths, and Three Billboards were both in my top five of their respective years. So it's like, yeah, he and he has Kong, Clairol, and Brandon Gleason together. There's no reason I would not be intrigued by what this is. And I like that the trailer doesn't even spell out exactly what's going on beyond the fact that this guy just doesn't want to be friends anymore, right. which is inherently funny already. Um, I, I will like I'll, I'll shout out the menu just because I am intrigued by this cast. Like, yeah. I agree with you as far as the premise seems familiar as far as where things are going and even what kind of themes it's going after. At the same time, it's neat to see like Ray finds in this kind of role for like a small black comedy. Uh, it's like some mm-hmm. kind of dominating chef. Uh, like I, I'm curious where this goes, and it just looks fun. Like regardless of how good it is or if it measures up to something like a McDonough film that could potentially be an Oscar tender just by the fact that it's from McDonough. I just, this looks like a fun time <laughs> to see this, this assemblage of people um, coming for the menu, right? The menu. Yeah. Coming yeah. together for some kind of 
food mystery that turns into yeah. a most dangerous game <laughs> like who knows <laughs> who knows all i'm saying is like if you watch the trailer for the menu the guy who just starts running right away has the right idea i'm just like you've got 45 seconds head start and the guy just like takes off it's like he's he's on it he knows what he's doing but he's probably gonna die first yeah most likely yeah. Uh, by the way, I stopped watching the trailer about two minutes in because I'm like, oh, now they're just giving away like whatever shots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, like, like, you like, didn't see that part. <laughs> I like that. No, I saw that part. Oh, I'm like, okay. I, that's where that's basically where I stopped. It's like, okay, so we're. I you got miss much. I yeah. got the idea of what we're doing right. here, so I need to not watch anymore. Um. Okay. Well, uh, the Banshees of Inishirin arrives in theaters uh, October 21st. I believe it premieres at Venice in September. And then the menu is hitting in November, November 18th, and that premieres at TIFF in September. So there will certainly be word out on both of these films in due time. Okay, well, let's move on now. Let's get, to, let's get to our main reviews. The first review we have here is for Emily, the criminal. Hi, I paid 400 and it was never applied to my balance. Sorry, how much uh, interest is being added a month? How are you? I need a real job. Just to, like, pay my loans. Emily, yo. Let me uh, hook you up. Get your driver license. In the next hour, you will make 200 cash. But you will have to do something illegal. You won't be in danger, but you will be breaking the law. Yo, you gonna pay for that? Sorry? I said, are you gonna pay for that? My God. Sorry, man. Tomorrow, you have the option to do another job, okay? What do I have to do? Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Emily the Criminal. I'm just going to read a plot description here in an intense voice once again. Saddled with student debt and unable to find work, a college graduate becomes involved in a credit card scam, acting as a dummy shopper and buying increasingly risky products with stolen credit cards. Mm. Uh, okay. Sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, my only note, you're, you're not the one that wrote it, like, my only note, which change is risque. I'm turning to like Lauren Michaels. <laughs> my only note. <laughs> Um, so Abe, this movie debuted at the Sundance Film Festival. Uh -huh. Heard a little bit of praise. Uh, was picked up by uh, Roadside Attractions, Vertical Entertainment, um, and along with the help of uh, Audrey Plaza's uh, production company, Evil Hag Productions, got itself, <laughs> I knew that was her. It got itself a theatrical release, and here we are with the film. What did you think of Emily the Criminal? I think that it's just another strong performance movie, but the movie itself is is just okay. I think that there's some elements in it that aren't really uh, touched upon too much in a way that allows you to really feel the immense amount of uh, seriousness in the situation and or like the immense amount of just, uh, uh, I guess, darkness uh, that it could go into. So it, it's it's a good performance by Aubrey Plaza for sure. I think that she is bringing something that you probably haven't really seen a whole lot of. I mean, we've seen her for a long time on the screen, uh, whether it's like Scott Pilgrim versus the world or even uh, Parks and Rec, where she's playing like, uh, you know, the aloof character kind of doing her own thing uh, in the background. I remember, was she in the hours as well? Not the hours. I don't know. She's another like, uh, she's been in independent movies and she's been doing a lot of good work, but I think this one really, again, showcases her, her ability to do dramatic work. So I found that her performance was good, but overall, when I'm watching this movie, I didn't really get a sense that I was in any sort of danger per se, um, or I didn't really get a sense that uh, anybody was really in over their head to begin with, or the stakes just got too great that it became um, an all or nothing type situation. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say that 
if you want to go check it out, you should check it out for Aubrey Plaza's performance. Not so much about the ideas behind it. Cause I don't know if there's really a whole lot that you could really extract from that part, but yeah. What about you? I mean, I disagree. I do think it goes after the gig economy in an effective way without overdoing it without, you know, circling a yellow highlighter and saying, this is a problem that people have today. I, I like mm-hmm. that. It's has a small scale approach to a serious issue involving, involving people that get into loans that they can't, you know, loan debt that they can't handle and the desperation that they have to face in order to get themselves out of these situations. It's obviously mm-hmm. taken to a, you know, it's handled in a form of a genre film here as far as being this story of a person that has to, you know, turn to certain means in order to make money. And then you get this extra layer because of Plaza's performance and because of her character where the movie's called Emily the Criminal and it's a matter of has she always been the criminal or does she become the criminal? And I like that it kind of plays with that. It gives you this way of looking at things from her perspective and trying to understand where she's coming from you understand right away that she has a history and then you, you're curious throughout the movie what that history is why did why does she have a criminal record what is it mm. um along with you know what's the thing that's pushing her here to do these crimes is it because of just the money or does she actually enjoy doing the thing that she's getting involved in i i found that all pretty interesting and because the movie's only 90 minutes I didn't find myself grappling with not getting enough of anything because I do think it it's hitting the points it needs to with again without kind of sledgehammering it over over you as far as mm-hmm. trying to find its point. I uh also appreciated the I appreciated the trajectory of the film where I do think it raises its stakes appropriately without making them go overboard. It's a very singular story. It's about, you know, one person in LA dealing with a thing. Um, and even when things get too difficult, there's solutions presented. I would I would say I do think the ending's rushed a bit um, as far as kind of where it leaves things off, and that mm-hmm. I find that unfortunate. But for the most part, having seen it a couple times now, no, I, I I agree with you that Plaza is very good in this movie. Yeah. And between this and Black Bear and Ingrid Goes West, uh, which are all movies that she's at least been a producer on as well. She's certainly carving something out for herself as far as this kind of independent actress or independent movie actress that's mm-hmm. giving kind of varied and interesting performances in smaller scale movies. So it's, yes, I would certainly recommend it because she's good in this movie, but I do think the the movie itself is just a tight little crime drama. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, a, that's fairly stressful as far as some of the situations she gets herself in. Yeah, uh, I can definitely agree that there's like stressful situations. I, I guess maybe I just wish that it was more amped and ratcheted up. But yeah, not that, not a whole lot to to um super super disagree on you with you on because I didn't really see. I know that there are bits of the gig economy in here, and I think those other bits about just student loan debt. I actually really enjoyed her her um back and forth with Gina Gershon <laughs> a lot because uh, uh, that speaks to just a graduation problem in general. But yeah, okay. What about the, I mean, the main plot line with, with, uh, with the, with Yusuf, with the Rossi. With Theo Rossi? Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's favorite, uh, biker gang guy. Um, I thought that that was, it, it's, it's one of those things where I think that if you had gone into that lifestyle and kept at it, that's an interesting thing to do, which is just the credit card fraud and then sort of like how it mounts and then, uh, like why people have to get into it anyway. Uh, that would have been interesting, but you know it shifts. So again, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I thought that he, I thought that he was okay in this movie. What about you? 
I don't know him from Sons of Anarchy. Like, I guess apparently a lot of people do. So I yeah, only know him from kind of like his breakout role. Yeah. So I only know him from like Luke Cage, Army of the Dead, Army of the Dead, <laughs> yeah. and like a few other things where he generally plays like a heavy. So seeing him here being a more conflicted character, I was intrigued by. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I, I see him as an actor a certain way. So it's like, oh, this is different, which comes with the territory when you're in smaller scale movies where you get to sure. see people you know untraditional leading star leading actors and different kinds of roles right um and i i appreciated that there's a i guess you can call it playfulness as far as how the kind of bond forms between him and emily uh, as far as where they both start versus where they go i mm-hmm. i think the there's a version of this film that i think it, it can be very hokey and i don't think this one i think it properly earns the kind of the escalation of their mm-hmm. relationship uh, so it's like uh, that's uh, that's something that i that, that i noted as far as yeah you know. no i hear you yeah and this is not to this is not to compare the two but I, i'm trying to think of like something that is sort of similar and akin to how i was thinking that that could uh, it could have gone again very very off the beaten path not even the same genre at all but i'm thinking like something like left M nikita where it's just like every every sequence just keeps ratcheting up like you get her early on, but then by the end of this movie, you're just uh, there's like the part with Victor the cleaner, and just like you feel like everything's out of control, and they they still got to do whatever they have to do. And I, I think that's sort of what I what I'm sort of speak to. It doesn't have to be the same scale, but um, I felt as though I was never just really gripped by anything in particular um, that made me feel as though uh, they were ever really in any sort of danger. But and I would argue, I mean, and I know we can't keep using the femme Nikita, but I like no. that is a movie that has life or death stakes based off the profession that she's in, where what I what I think is interesting, and I'm not trying to directly connect them, it's just you mentioned, sure. but it, what I think is interesting about Emily the Criminal is the fact that it's, she's purposely engaging in certain stakes, and sure. that itself I find interesting, because it's, if she wanted to be safe, she could like she has that option like there's that you can just stop doing crime <laughs> like and, and, sure. it's, and then it's fine that's <laughs> how you stop doing crime <laughs> we've got, we gotta lose the news i mean it, it, in terms of what she's involved in <laughs> i know her whole thing is easily solvable as far as yeah, how to stay I mean, out of danger and i yeah. and as compared to other movies that have characters who are you know there's a mob boss that's after them or whatever <laughs> this is not that movie. This is a movie where she's voluntarily entering herself into this stuff. Sure, and sure. I don't see that all the time. And so that's yeah, yeah. I, so I, I I wasn't again like, not a not a great comparison. So you don't have to uh Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not even measuring it up to Left yeah. Nikita anymore. I'm just thinking as far as like crime dramas like this, there mm-hmm. tends to be some kind of, you know, antagonistic force that's giving them two options, you know, die or do this thing for me. <laughs> this is it's a crime drama that has nefarious characters in it, but none of them are antagonists to Emily specifically. No, I hear what you're saying. And I, and so I, I, it wasn't pushing me in a position where I like, I need to feel like there are, there's something driving her to be beyond just herself, which is like, so I think it works well. As I hear you. And again, like the internal motivations are, are pretty laid out for you, especially like with the, the student loan stuff. 
um and her background and i do like those interviews technique. between the the one that opens the film and the, well, the one and, that opens and, the film is good and the and the gina gershon interview is yeah gr- the, and there's a lot she has where it's like i i was the first woman in a room full of men gina gershon I, says this yeah yeah and that's like and she's like and that's like period end of sentence like that's your yeah. arguments like, that's, that's well, and then she counters with like you know a pretty good argument i also yeah. like the beginning one where it's just like Hey man, you know, we're uh I thought you didn't say you didn't do any research on me and it just becomes one of those things where it's like we've got to be on the same page. Like, no, don't stand for it. Nobody should stand for this. Like in any sort of situation, like nobody should stand for this. So I'm glad that the director has has a gripe with the interviewers. What about the scenes that, it. What about the scenes that do have like legit tension in them? Like there's a car-based sequence and a break-in sequence. What the what those do for you? The break-in sequence, you're talking about toward the end? No, towards the middle where her where she's oh that one so that one i was just i was hoping that it would go a certain way and it, it did go a certain way right um because at one point i was just said to myself under uh, uh in the theater under my breath i was like revenga um and uh, <laughs> I, I literally said that like and then i was like Aubrey probably wants never this shit um but i was glad about that and so uh, you know hey uh there's rules to the game that she's been given too, and again, uh, that's what comes into play. I, I like that this, this sort of movie, as small as it is, still has like rules that have been established, right? So you don't play with the rules, then these things can kind of happen. But I was glad that um, uh, there was the after sequence, I suppose. But um, I, I guess as far as your question in terms of like how those ten- that how that tension is ratcheted up, I I I. I I didn't feel like she was going to be ever be in any danger, probably because of where we still need to go with the movie. But I did like that you, uh, the idea of, hey, man, you expose yourself to like this world and, you know, the world comes after you kind of uh, as well. Right. So there's there's like this two way street situation about the um, like I mentioned this as far as the uh, the mm-hmm. ending where I feel it just kind of it, it kind of stops. Rush, you said, yeah, you know? I, I felt that way, too, but I I. I think that there was um I, I don't know what this budget is, but I certainly was like, oh, you know, they did they did it not their budget. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's like it's clearly like, you know, the the producer's house. You know what I mean? It's like it's just like a house in like the valley. It's like not even a, a huge house, but I, it I certainly be a huge house. I mean it's a it's a fairly large house, but you know, it's not like um this isn't like oil money we're talking about. I guess. No, I'm saying, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect them to have a lavish mansion right. or something like this. It's a, but I, the guy's I, using, um, yeah, running a credit card scam. <laughs> like they're not rich. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think that there was, um, like the build up to that is interesting, and then the way that her mindset is is interesting. So the way that she's talking to to Yusuf um, about how people walk over you and and all this other stuff, which is actually really intense and and really. Um, to some degree gratifying because it's she's she's had so much of it in her life she's like man i'm fucking tired of this bullshit kind of stuff which is good uh, and then it kind of just gets into wherever you need to get to but i i hear what you're saying because i think that there's really just it, it semi wraps up fairly neatly in a way that you're just like i i guess you know and then you're given um it's not even an epilogue because it's still part of the movie but you're given like what happens to characters after yeah, a wrap up? Yeah. Right. And you're just like, yeah, you know, I guess that makes sense. But I, I'm also thinking to myself, um, I was, I, I didn't know that that's where it was going to go, but where it ends up going, I wasn't surprised. But then the build up to that was, it was fairly brief. So I guess I'm on the same page as you. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do, I do think it, 
I do think it speaks to the the message of the film as far as what it's commenting on. But yeah, it, it's it's a it's because you know as the movie's ninety minutes, mm-hmm. and it's this is the kind of movie where it, I feel like it actually earns more time. And I, I wonder if mm. it was like a you know a, an hour forty five and it had a little more breathing room, if some of these aspects are would be made more effective both for you and for me. Uh, yeah. Because like I think this movie's good, not being great. It sounds like you're like sure. a little lesser on it, but I don't think you're down on right. it. No, I'm not down so, on it. So I, I mean, so again, I, do... I appreciate that there was effort put into this, and that uh, what you're seeing on the screen is is a reflection of, um, like you're getting a lot from the actors themselves, as even if the plot really isn't there for me. Mm-hmm. So that's it's still a win in that in that uh, in that scenario. Yeah. So like I said, I wonder if there's. There probably is a version of this that's longer, just you know, cut down for the sake of mm-hmm. it is what you know, just how the editing process works. But it it feels like a movie that could have benefited from some breathing room as opposed to being kind of cut to the bone to be what it is. I think so, and I think that again, not to uh, what's what's the director's name, the writer director's name, uh, John Patton Ford. Yeah, not to, not to not to poo poo John Patrick Ford, just more of you know, I I people are people are okay with with uh, high amounts of tension, so. I think this movie could have uh, afforded, or not afford, but I think this movie could have done better with um, things getting really off the rails in a way that is feels unsolvable. Um, and then you can still have the ending that you still have. But hey, man, like I didn't write this and I didn't direct this, so get on you for getting picked up at the awards. Well, Emily the Colonel is currently in the theaters. When should people go and see this movie? I think that this is a good. Um, like an HBO movie. Like if it, when it comes out in premium VOD, you can check it out there. Because again, good dramatic work from Aubrey Plaza. Um, throughout the entire movie, like there's no one part where she just like slips up and does like a Parks and Rec, like look at the camera, wink kind of thing. Like it's all just dramatic. Yeah, I I basically agree. I think I think it's worthy. Yeah, I mean seeing it on you know a very very streaming services that it would premiere on. I think it's worthwhile for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to our next review. Let's talk about Day Shift. Vampire hunting is a business. Cut necks and cash your checks. Well, things have changed since you got your ass kicked out the union. If I don't come up with 10K, my wife and my daughter are going to move the floor. Hi, Dad. You're late again. And the union is the only place that could give me that kind of money. Your record is chock full of incidents. But he's a new man. One last chance. This is your final warning. Get cracked. Oh, no. Vampires just tried to kill me. Now I just pissed my favorite fucking Hey, 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 everybody pisses themselves the first time. Really? Yeah. Did you? No, I I didn't, but but listen, you did. That should have been some of the trailer for Day Shift. Uh, In this film, Jamie Foxx stars as a hardworking blue-collar dad who just wants to provide a good life for his quick-witted daughter. But his mundane San Fernando Valley pool-quitting job is just a front for his real source of income, hunting and killing vampires as part of an international union of vampire hunters. Wow. Wow. (laughs) International (laughs) union of vampire hunters. Wow. I like the idea of someone reading that that cold and being like, that's what this movie's about? (laughs) 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 He's not a pool-cleaner at all? Imagine reading that to like your grandma and just be like, Grandma, I think we have this movie we should watch tonight. It's like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so I'll go first this time. Yes, please. I um, I like this movie. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. I, I will not look over the fact that the plot is silly. 
because it is mm-hmm. uh, especially when it's like what i you know when i would say the plot i mean like the actual plot of this movie the general vibe of this movie i think really works i think it works as a fun hangout movie i think it's very watchable i think the action is pretty great because you have a stuntman doing the action choreography they, mm-hmm. they just know how to shoot the action and jamie fox once again proving I think he's just great at everything. Like, I think he has such a great handle on how to read material that's right for a scene. And regardless of the movie he's in, whether it's a B movie or an A movie, I I think he just, he gets what he needs to do in a scene. Regardless of the movie's, Mm -hmm. even if the movie's bad, it's not because Jamie Foxx is bad. And that's a huge win for something like this. I also really like that, and we've talked about this in recent weeks as far as Netflix productions goes, Mm-hmm. I, this almost feels like a parody of a Netflix movie, very purposefully. Hilarious. Where, yeah. I mean, even like the concept is like a Mad Libs. It's Jamie Foxx plus vampires plus Snoop Dogg equals clicks. I mean, it's not <laughs> like it feels like, what if we had these things? How do you make that work? And J.J. Perry, the director, to his credit, I think takes advantage of that fact. So you have a movie like this from a Netflix thing where it's, you know, bright. Uh, brightly not a movie bright but like brightly lit has a certain kind of sheen to it and what have you but because it has like this vampire underground society going on you could use that to your advantage where you like have this glossy heightened version of what re- people think reality is and then you get to like dirty gory vampire fights <laughs> like i don't think it's on i don't think it's not on purpose that it looks a certain way despite being very hard r when it comes to the violence being like performed in this film mm-hmm. again the plot itself with where it goes as far as you know there being like a major vampire that has a plot to do something you know bad whatever whatever it you know it is what it is but i don't think the fun stops because i think jamie fox and dave franco who be- make this, makes this movie like a buddy comedy for a good portion of it <laughs> i think that's all a lot of fun uh there's a what's his name scott adkins and steve howry have a like a scene in this hollywood stuntman scott adkins scott adkins an actor that i and a performer that i am not fond of in the way that many others are not because of his action like his action is always great but as far uh-huh. as him as a screen presence like i can see why he's not in movie or mm. you know mainstream movies but here's the first time i was like i really like scott adkins in this movie <laughs> like that's clearly a win for me. And that's what I okay. felt about this whole thing. I thought it was just a good yeah. romp. I thought I had a lot of fun with it in a way where I'm like, I could see myself watching this again just because it's really silly and I can go through it. But yeah. uh, where, where are you with Day Shift? Uh, Day Shift is not a good movie. <laughs> and I'm not really sure why it was made. I mean, the plot is pretty contrived. Um, and I think at the end of the day, what you get here is like what you said here a very action heavy stuntman directed which so they all, all the things look really great like all the action things look really great but it's just a, a a movie that a guy was just like i'm going to i'm going to just put my foot on the the director pedal and direct this and let's see what happens here comma but it's very entertaining so <laughs> it is a movie that i thought borrows from a lot of things that we've seen before like the buddy cop stuff Sure, there's elements of Training Day in here. I think that there's other elements of like uh, Fright Night and all this other jazz too. Um, but I, I just, you know, like at, at a certain point here uh, in the movie, um, I was thinking to myself, oh, this is this certainly feels like a TV show. Like it could be a TV series, like Limited Run, or or even just like you know a one season, two season type TV series where uh, a buddy cop or buddy, yeah, buddy cop people just go kill vampires and it. To some degree, like it's written that way, and it kind of like is sometimes shot that way. But 
hey man it is entertaining i I have to give it that you know the opening sequence um like what you mentioned in the trailer Uh it's great but that's probably because you have a stunt guy directing it and all of his stunt buddies are doing it and all these contortionists show up too because these these vampires are able to to uh walk in scary positions but i certainly did not like it as much as you did as as a movie i think that you also recognize some of the the shortcomings of it but i think that you had a a much better time with it than i did it has clear shortcomings it's just and here's here's my issue with the idea of working as a series if it's a series and i'm not saying like you definitely need it to be this way but yeah i'm I'm not saying that it needs to be that way but uh, but like (laughs) and the logic in general when that comes up when a lot of people say like this could have been a series my issue with like a movie like this if it's a series, for one thing, you're not getting these people. You're not getting James Franco, Dave, 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 Dave Franco, Jamie Foxx, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going to be lacking the element that I think makes this thing work to begin with. You're going to get the low rent version right. of these people. Yeah, yeah. So it's that's already gone. And it's also, you know, 10, 8 episodes where it's not going to be so frequent. You'll get like one action scene that'll yeah. be fine and then you have like an hour around it that's a bunch of stuff you don't care about well there's also <laughs> the one episode where it goes back in time and they do the origins so. exactly yeah. this is a movie that's all the stuff you want like i don't know why i'd want this stretched out when i got two hours yeah. less yeah that's I... all the cool stuff that i'd want to get from this specific premise sure. i like i like that it throws you right in there isn't a whole period of time where you're just being like when are we going to get to the thing it throws yeah. you right into this thing it doesn't let up like even when there's not action, there's still just silliness involving like Peter Stormare and Jamie Foxx talking about vampire teeth. I mean, it's like it's really, it it I don't think it lets up in the stuff it's doing. Like the, again, like the actual like villain of the story, whatnot. It's like yeah, okay, like yeah. It's not, like I I don't think we're too far off in how much we like this movie. I'm just yeah. very enthusiastic about it because of the Netflix originals we've seen that are in this realm as opposed. To I, the, I do uh, want to get to that as too, a, as opposed to the Oscar realm. This is to me one of the better versions of this. Yeah, I would, I, I would I watch. I would easily watch this again. Where the Gray Man, a movie that's constant action, it has very good actors in it. I feel like that feels like a chore just to try to press the play button on that again. Yeah. This movie, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I can put this on the belt. Like, I, I, I just want to. <laughs> yeah, I I just, I still just want to clarify for for the audience when I'm saying that it feels like a TV show. What I mean by that is not so much that it's like eight episodes long and it's dragged out. It's more like there's some parts of this movie where you hear the music in it and you're like, this is TV music. Like it's it's pondering TV music or something. And the actors are doing something that that is not really worthy of them being on the screen. So that's what I mean by that. It's not so much that the, the eight, ten episodes is way too long. You definitely would never get like this cast in it. I do want to mention as as far as like the cast. I, I would goes, say just to respond yeah. to that real quick, the 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 the, the fact that I would rather see this with its much lower budget so it does what it can with what it has over the $200 million gray band speaks a lot to the quality of something like this as far as what I'm getting out of it. Yeah, I do want to I do want to just circle back to that. I just wanted to touch on the cast real quick. Dave Franco, I thought, is uh, really fun in this. He is. Um, I think that like we've seen Dave Franco do this this type of act before. I think that you've seen it in the 21 jump street, but he's kind of just playing more like the goofball part of that. Um, this one, he's got to play like a, a, an office character as well as like the goof part part. And when he just, he's just there kind of goofing around. And I think it's really fun. I think it really works well against Jamie Foxx who has to, you know, ostensibly like be the hero character and you know, the, 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 um, like the main knight K N I G H T type character. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have all these other side characters, and you know that Dave Franco's doing a good job because I'm not I'm not trying to like squash on like uh the next door neighbor, but you know she's not she's not like as charming as Dave Franco um in her scenes, but again um it's not about them it's about it's not about her it's actually more just more about Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco saving uh Megan Kidd. Uh, I want to talk to you about the Netflix establishment. I totally agree with you that The Gray Man is a movie that I think is like preposterous for its price tag. I don't know what this price tag is, but if you're going to have like these direct to Netflix type movies, this is kind of the level of fun that I think that you would aspire to to have with it. Um, I think the thing that we talked about with The Gray Man that is sort of robbing it from uh, maybe perhaps being higher in my mind is just that you have uh, a large mix of comedy camera winking seriousness and then um bad guys being bad kind of thing for the for nothing for the sake of just being um the villain and this one it's it's pretty straightforward it's pretty outlined you know it's actually pretty funny that audrey san fernando is like a realtor in the san fernando valley um and she just wants to buy up all this land but Mm -hmm. i i just think i just think that it's like a fairly smart move for netflix to just be like if we want to have people come watch our 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 streaming box let's just get some big actors make like a pretty decent action movie and we're not we're not trying to gun for anything other than that like we just want people to like enjoy themselves on this platform that's totally fine but i agree with you that you know as far as like netflix releases go i'm glad that this one wasn't like ultra serious um, and I'm glad I didn't. It, like I don't think that Jamie Foxx was like trying to gun for like an Oscar here, or of course anybody, not. <laughs> yeah, anybody on this on this cast is like trying to his for an Oscar. his character's name is Bud Jablonski. I know which, what a which, great name. Well, it also tells me Jamie Foxx was not the person they wrote this movie for. <laughs> like, <that's> not... <laughs> <laughs> you tell me that James Franco dropped out from a project. <laughs> <laughs> like Judd to like that that feels like this either got like an upgrade or a downgrade as far as what yeah, they yeah. were intending uh, to like who who they wanted to have star and Jamie Foxx just comes in it's like I'll just do my thing and yeah. it's fun I mean there's a scene there's that the sequence I'm referring to with um, Scott Adkins it's like him and he has like a brother and they invade this house with Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco yeah. and it's like one of the best action scenes I've seen in a while as far as just yeah. like it's how this stuff actually, goes it's, 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 it's like it's yeah, it's this really long sequence yeah. that's really well shot, really fun, and very funny. And yeah. it's just, and it involves like vampires and all their right. specific rules about vampires, which I just really appreciated. It's just what's also fun about you brought up that part, and what what's good about these action stunt guys mm-hmm. doing movies is that they they can work with their their friends, and they can work with like people that they know that can actually do stunts. So what really works out in this movie. Or in the, at least in that sequence, mm-hmm. is that it's actually shot during the daytime, um, yeah. so you can actually see everything. Like it's not like well, we use like the shadows to like you know um, have them move or no, it's actually just like guys in like you know makeup and just having a having a blast getting thrown into like paper mache walls and uh, tables. It it has a lot of like creative ways to do these things by having like cont- I assume contortionists as well as stunt people like Definitely for- contortionists acting <laughs> as acting as vampires and because it's vampires, yeah, you have to have like areas that are low lit yet the movie's set in the valley, so it's like yeah. a sun drenched area, and they and they I think find clever ways to well the, keep it very yeah. keep keep it very visible totally. uh, throughout and yes have the camera in places that just make sense to communicate what's happening on screen, mm-hmm. which is more than I could say about so many action movies. So it's like, yeah, 
give me this. <laughs> like, that's actually a great point about like the action movies. You know, like we talked about David Leach uh, a lot, and we're going to talk about him more. And we talked about um, uh, like uh, who's the director on this again? This is um, JJ Perry. JJ Perry. It's like, hey, it's they have the visual eye for this stuff, and they definitely look a lot better than something like. I have to bring it up again, but the gray man where you're just like, I didn't really enjoy the, some of those fight sequences because they're just poorly edited. Um, they're set in a CG plane that's blowing up and I have no like, idea what the hell is going on. Yeah. Part of the time I'm like, that's not even Ryan Reynolds or Ryan, Ryan Gosling, because that's just uh, a CG Ryan Gosling fighting in that, in the, in space or in uh, in the sky. But yeah, when you have legibility like this and another great example of like a large scale visibility, thing is the batman um where it's like oh he just shot this in master um and you can see everything that's going on the choreography is like really well done well if you mix in choreography that's really well done as well as like some camera work where these guys have studied either hong kong action movies or um, other action movies that are really really good that um come from like uh where's the guy like thailand or, or indonesia mm-hmm. then you're gonna get something like this i mean scott atkins has directed like his own action movies before too like you probably haven't seen them because they're, they're all like directed DVD kind of thing, but you know, like these guys definitely definitely have like an, an eye for what they want to capture. So I'm glad that they're able to do that, as well as like all of a sudden, like you know, the screenplay has like a joke about like thousand block sunscreen, um, which makes it uh, more funny that it takes place in the valley. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I agree with you. Just like I, yeah. I, 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 I'm happier being enthusiastic about this just because of what it's doing right. Yeah, like I, I am. I, again, the things that it's not doing right, I think that you agree with as well. But again, I found it like very entertaining, even though it's like, you know, uh, uh, what I would what I would deem not a very good movie. Is I do like, want to. Uh-huh. I, I just like I. I you know, there's no IP here. You know, it's not attached to any other franchise or whatnot. And it's right. like if we're <laughs> the movies that we're not taking to task are ones that like you know they have this this level of comfort that goes with them. It's like well, it's part of a thing. You know, you just kind of let it roll yeah. by. It's like well, <laughs> but you're gonna pick this movie apart for like basically the same reasons as far as just like bullshit plot stuff. And it's like yeah, well, what I mean, what what's the thing you're getting more out of? It's like yeah, I didn't that's... walk. I didn't walk in a day shift thinking I hope the villain's you know super memorable and has a crazy plot that I can't wait to see about vampires. Yeah, based on what it was advertised to be, it's Jamie Foxx gonna fight vampires in a movie directed by a stuntman. Yeah, and I, I, and I got really, that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really actually what helps it too is that I wasn't getting press notes or you know reading press releases or reading interviews from the Russo brothers about like, well, this movie is about you know just us wanting to have fun, take some breathing room before we go into our next project. Um, it, it cost Netflix 200 million, but you're going to see it on the screen. It's like, no, we're not like there weren't really, I guess that what I'm saying is like the expectations for this were not as great mm-hmm. and maybe that's, it's to its benefit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would like, agree. Yeah. I think the Netflix, I've always had like a, this weird gripe for Netflix just being like, why do you guys have so much money? And yet you guys are producing like some, some fairly mediocre things. Um, and this movie is like, again, like if I think it fits in the wheelhouse of what, like, I don't think Netflix necessarily has an identity per se. Like, they're not like trying to do all these prestige movies, or they're not just trying to do all these like action movies, or they're not trying to do all this. Um, like, we'll buy the international market and just play it on Netflix. So, I don't really know what they're with, with who they are, but this certainly feels like in line with like something that can get subscribers to, to come to their service and check it out. But, um, their thing is they want content. I mean, and it that's, comes from multiple right. directions. They, if they can have, you know, they, they could have these multi-million, multi-hundred-million-dollar action movies, 
uh, from certain stars and have a certain director and have big stars in them. They can have Jamie Foxx or Joseph Gordon-Levitt or whoever just jump into random acts. Right. Or they can acquire a bunch of stuff, which they've also been doing. Yeah. Or, and, and you know, on occasion, very, you know, later part of the year, they can get marquee directors to make films. They can have a mm-hmm. Five Bloods or the Irishman or Roma. Like, they can pull that in, too, just because they have this un... <laughs> this ridiculous pile of uh, money and bankruptcy debt <laughs> that I don't understand yeah. uh, to pull these things off. Yeah, I mean, you know, stop giving people two hundred million dollars to make uh, an average movie. But I but... and I I hear like I don't need Netflix to be like we are a service that delivers this kind of thing and that's totally. the thing we do. Like I, I'm not asking for that from them, but like I I would like to see, you know, if we're spreading this kind of money around. I just want a consistent level of like entertainment value, not this mix of sometimes entertaining and sometimes God awful original films. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's kind of what I'm driving at too, with like the Netflix money making machine, which is even though you haven't really quote unquote established an identity per se, or at least, in, um, you know, it's not as though you can't do diverse projects. It's just more that when you're putting them out and you're, you know, I guess backing them to some degree, um, it really would, would make sense if you were just like, Okay, we we've got our prestige part of Netflix, and those mo- those movies that are trying to go for an Oscar, they are totally worth your your time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yet we have not seen that to be the case, right? So it, it is unfortunate, but maybe they're going to make mistakes. What's that? What What do you mean? Like in terms of if you had like your, I guess the way that I'm thinking about it is like Apple TV Plus. It seems like they they have a more discretionary vision or a discretionary view of like, we're going to acquire this movie because we believe in it. And then we're also going to put a whole bunch of money behind it for it to win an Oscar, whether that's Coda or whatever the case is, or even for their shows. Like, Hey, you know, this is like an an Apple TV plus show. So we've given it some screening. We kind of really see what the vision is. And of course we're going to buy it. Netflix. Like what I'm saying is if you guys had that sort of um, discernment, uh, there'd be, it'd be, It'd be nice because yeah, not on everything the, on the Oscar side of things. They've certainly done that. I mean, yeah. They, yeah. You get like a Roma and you also get like, I think their first large one that was trying to win was, um, what was the one that you just saw, but in Abraham, my, my dude, Abraham. piece of piece, piece of no nation, piece of no nation. Yeah. So you certainly have those prestige pictures that they're going for. I mean, even like, uh, mudbound and you mentioned, um, uh, the five bloods. It's like, I yes, mean, Power yeah, of the yeah. Dog was just last year. It was pretty much locked in until yeah. that, that, that scrappy until coda. Apple, until Apple that TV Plus scrappy like, coda came in. I know. They're not How so the fast, James. Yeah. <laughs> so you have like that discernment for sure. But maybe if you guys had more of that, because those pictures, some of them you guys got through acquisition. But the, what I'm seeing here is just like, oh, you know, let's get a big name director or like a few big name directors and just throw some money at it. And it's like, it doesn't, that's not really how it works sometimes. Like, Sometimes the the division isn't from the director or like the money. It's just more just like, I don't know, like making movies is hard for sure. But I don't think the way to, you know, impress people is by saying this movie costs X number of dollars and you should go see it because it has all these cast members that, you know, it's like, well, this is a pretty shitty movie. And, you know, I guess part of my my little rant here is like, you got to speak truth to power. Just like, come on, guys! Like, you can't let you can't let the Russos get away with this, or whatever the case is. I'm picking on them just because of the the Gray Man and and Cherry. I don't know where Cherry came out. Was that Apple. Netflix? That was Apple. 
but you know it's like one of those things where like you just can't bet on this stuff and say if we will it into existence it will be uh like an appreciated picture it's like no if it's a good movie it's a good movie so back to day shift like it doesn't have those expectations so i wasn't expecting it to be and i never really expect things to be super good or super bad but at least for this one i was like you know appropriate for for where i'm watching it. they're appropriate for the medium that i'm watching it on even though it has a lot of stumbling blocks i would just add that like i i think when movies cost the, the amount that they do mm-hmm. i i'm happy to see studios own it because i don't like the idea of them being ashamed of spending money on a thing it's like sure. well, you spent it you like take pride in that i just you know obviously want the thing to be good and right. so when you and it obviously it's not you know just press the button to make it good it's a matter of doing the work so but when you get movies like the gray man which you know again i overall think is fine i don't hate the gray man but it's just like right. this is a lot for a little uh or but the like the worst offender is red notice a movie that also costs that money and is a just Looks one of terrible. the worst looking movies i've ever yeah. seen uh at that scale and it's like like i i want you to any number of movies that cost multi hundred millions of dollars don't hide it like if you're spending that money throw that flaunt it flaunt, like why not like but right. it, but you should be able to flaunt it in the actual movie as well right like sh- show me why this movie needed to cost this amount of money yeah and with the, the with the process netflix has as far as being fairly hands-off with their creators there's a reason why there are studios that are very hands-on with their it's just a collaborative yeah. process. It's just like and also like to some degree, it's also like a wrist slapping process. Like, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, we don't we don't have the budget for that. Yeah, it's it's taking notes. It's it's having it's having yeah. meetings that where you can get you can collaborate yeah. and figure out like what's the best means of like, like you know what they need they need like that scene in, in Tropic Thunder where Les Grossman's like, Who's the key grip? I don't want you to punch that director in the face really fucking hard <laughs> but yes yeah i i definitely agree with what you're saying there and it becomes a shame because hey man we don't we don't talk about bright as much in terms of um like its budget it was like i'm looking at our list from like a few weeks ago it's like bright was at a hundred plus million dollars that was a lot for i remember that was a huge that was a huge news article back in you know 2011 or whatever it was because ninety million dollars, a hundred million dollars for a Netflix produced movie, and the movie, like, yeah, I guess Joel Edgerton was in elf makeup, and there's like elves in the world or orcs in the world, but the movie was pretty bad, and it's terrible. Like, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, well, why, why, like, how do you even get Will Smith to do it? It's like you just give him a truckload of money, and that's how you get Will Smith to do it. But the movie is not very good, and so they just had like strings of just not very good movies, and. Like when you find like your happy medium, I guess maybe they don't want to find that happy medium because they they're always like in the struggle, the struggle and the fight to get more viewers. But hey, you know, like you can't I, be... I, I don't think there's true. I mean, because every time one of those comes out, regardless of how we feel about the movie, they are yeah. the most watched movie they've ever had, and you have plenty of general audiences that yeah. do just appreciate it as a pro- I, more like more than likely because it's just a thing they can throw on and not have to think much about. Yeah. And we're just not wired that way necessarily, but I mean, it's still, I mean, sometimes you, but it's, sometimes but it's, you want some berry berry tricks, and sometimes you want some like kashi. Cereal. Yeah, but there are certainly berry berry tricks that work for you. Yes, <laughs> like, I agree. Yeah. There's also shitty bowls of berry berry tricks. Yeah, agreed. And <laughs> and essentially, like my point to that one was, it really causes, I guess, a lot of confusion to people that pay attention to this stuff, 
mm-hmm. when you have Netflix saying, well, we're really just trying to like build like our own, um, like our own, I forget what they're saying, like a, a following of viewers for these like, um, like Netflix specific IP. And everybody on the internet was just like, you mean you're talking about Stranger Things? <laughs> That's like your your bread and butter right there is like Stranger Things is like the one that that everyone follows for at least four or five seasons now that you're going to get people watching your platform specifically for that. It's like if you're if you're a little bit too unaware of what you have in the bank, uh, not in terms of money, but in terms of like uh, produced shows and movies and you're just not really sure about where your direction is, then I it should have been you. In terms of the HBO Max stuff, it should have been you where that got downsized, not HBO Max. Because HBO Max, while it might have a lot of flaws, and I think like some of the leadership there is like a little bit weird with the merger stuff, but HBO Max has like way better content, original content. Like, all right, so <laughs> you don't want to keep piling up? No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> In regards to Day Shift, when should people see this movie? It's currently on Netflix. I mean, I think like you can watch it when you're when you're bored. I also just want to say that you have a question here about the rules of the vampires uh, in in daylight. Sure. Yeah, or I'm sorry, in day shift. I do enjoy that they have rules to their being. Like I I, I like that every vampire move that we've seen, um, sort of has like rules to the game. Yeah, There's their own set of understanding yeah. of how vampires work. Yeah. Yeah, and these are like. It's no different, but I, I appreciate that they've. There's differences. I mean, they have like classes and some they, can yeah, do yeah, certain things. Like I like. There's all actually, that. yeah, I really dug that too, and I really dug when Dave Frank was like, "Well, why would you ever have like this, this type of vampire stay with that?" Like, that's all really cool, but I think what I'm getting is like, I, I I dug that they've just modernized it too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. These vampire again, like the 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 main vampire lady, she's just like a realtor in in uh, the in the L.A. area. But, you know, it wasn't like, oh, let's go down. They do actually go down to, like, the bowels of, like, a dungeon kind of thing. But there's no, like, oh, everyone speaks, like, the British accent for whatever reason, like in um, uh, like in uh, the Rise of the Lycans movie, Underworld. You know, there's none of that stuff. It's actually just, like, a fairly modern vampire thing. And, and they have all grown up, you know, watching television and playing video games because that's what some vampires are doing before they get killed in this movie. Yeah, no, I, I, I did. I always appreciate like the cut, like what they're doing with this thing this time around. Like, cause there's no anyone that sorry, tells you. Sorry, before we get out of here, is there like one vampire movie that you're just like, I really like these rules? Not specifically because of the rules. Like, I, yeah. the thing I like, or, or is, like something that sticks out in your mind. I mean, the thing that's sticking out in my mind currently is Twilight, just because it's so radically different. And huh. my, but my, not that I like it more, but like the point that I have is that there's no like firm understanding because these these are fantasy creatures that don't exist so it's mm-hmm. like there's no you no one can tell somebody that that's not what a vampire is supposed to be yeah because that it's a vampire does it's not real like if the, the, the very basics are pretty straightforward and there's a lot <laughs> of ways to play with that and i have I just always appreciated it there you go well Aaron, where would you tell people to go and check out this movie I mean, if it if you if you turn on Netflix and it says day shift, click play. That's what oh, I would okay. say. <laughs> like I think I think it it works more, more immediate than I. Yeah, it, yeah. It, you're going to Netflix and be like, I want to watch something fun. There it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I would say. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I would agree with you unless like where the crowd where where the crowd sing is on. You should watch that with the with the group of friends. <sighs> Jesus, <laughs> no, you don't, you could talk through it. It'd be great. Anyway. <laughs> 
Okay, so we're not going to leave you with just our rants on Netflix. We, <laughs> Come on, we I, I seeded I I cleverly seeded this in very early on in the episode. <laughs> but guess what? ET has turned forty years old this year and wow. is back in IMAX theater. Back in it is an IMAX theaters for the first time. Wow. So Abe and I figured. I think it's time to do another movie scene recreation. <laughs> and this year, this, this episode, it should be E.T. themed. There we go. We have a number of scenes here. Uh, Abe, I, I, want to gi- I want you to give this your all in the context My of E.T. all? E. Okay. All in right. the context of E.T. And see if we can recreate these classic scenes from E.T. Steven Spielberg's E.T. The Extraterrestrial. The first scene we have here. It features four characters. <laughs> so, oh, okay, all right. Um, why, why don't why don't I do um Michael and um and Gertie, <laughs> Michael and Gertie, okay, and you do Elliot and Mary, the mother. Okay, okay. Well, all right. Well, I'm gonna. I haven't seen ET in a while, so here we go. <clears throat> okay, all right. Okay, maybe it was an iguana. No, it was an iguana. Maybe um I just met that lineup. <laughs> maybe um you know how they say there are alligators in the sewers? Alligators in the sewers? All we're trying to say is maybe you just imagine it. It happened. I couldn't have imagined it. Maybe it was a pervert or a deformed kid or something. A deformed kid. <laughs> maybe it was an elf or a leprechaun. It was nothing like that, penis bread! <laughs> sit down good good very good that's good direction Spielberg <laughs> and C oh wow penis <laughs> breath good one alright here's the next scene this is uh, this is featuring Keys and Elliot mm-hmm. everyone's about, favorite bad guy how about good you guy? He's, a, he's not a bad guy yeah. <laughs> he's he's just you know he, he wants to he wants to, to to find meaning in all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peter Coyote. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm going to be Keys. You be Keys, I'll be Elliot. Exactly. Okay. <clears throat> Let me put on my, my serious cat voice. Okay. <clears throat> Three, two, one. Elliot, that machine, what does it do? A communicator. Is it still working? It's doing... Something? What? I really shouldn't tell. He came to me. He came to me. Elliot. He came to me too. I've been wishing for this since I was 10 years old. I don't want him to die. What can we do that we're not already doing? He needs to go home. He's calling his people. I don't know where they are, but he needs to go home. Elliot, I don't think he was left here intentionally. But he is, but his being here is a miracle, Elliot. It's a miracle, and you did the best anybody could do. I'm glad he met you first. And scene. We should have kept going. We're like, you know, Keys punches Elliot in the face and then uh, takes him back to the government lab. I was just about to commend your performance, Keys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right. But it was it was a good job. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, Peter Coyote would be proud. Oh, Elliot, you did a good job. They hired the right people for this movie. Henry Thomas. I mean, great audition. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. I wonder, I wonder, do you think that the role is just written for uh, Drew Barrymore because she was already an actress at that time? She wasn't an actress at that time. Oh, that was her first role? How old do you think she is in that movie? She was like, she was like four or five, Ooh. right? What was she? What credits was she building before you that? Know, Gerber's baby, baby. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, she, you know, her dad's been around making movies. You know, she's she's on the set. Let's go and let's go and get her. In I here. mean, being part of like filmmaking, it doesn't hurt, but I think she just had the role. Like... Yeah, well, that, good, good job. That was, that was Spielberg. Spielberg's one of the best child act directors around. Like he's, I can't. He's finding I, I very can't wait people. for uh, his next movie to come out. Yeah, the Fablemans. Yeah, I mean, pre-screening, people have just been like, it's going to be a good one. Like, okay, all right, that's enough for him. I'm not even going to watch a trailer for it. Well, we'll talk about the trailer in due time. Um, <laughs> Indeed. But with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now with Aaron Abe. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. You can also find me writing reviews at weliveentertainment.com, as well as Blu-ray and Criterion reviews over at Why So Blue. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? If you find more friends on my Instagram, abe.moo and twitter.com slash moose. Hashtag the TV is $600. <laughs> you can find all the other episodes of, I- of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HSWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook.com slash podcast or Twitter at Twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And there's, of course, our Instagram page, Instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Um, next week, we will be talking Beast with Beatrice Elba. Yes. We're going to see him punch a lion in the face. I mean, I hope so. I mean, unlike The Grey, a movie we both really enjoy. Yeah. I don't think this one's just going to cut away from him fighting a lion. I think we're going to see Idris Elba punch a lion in the face. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just hope that Sharks Coley makes it throughout the, throughout the whole movie. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for the line to fuck up all those posters, though. Can't wait. Exactly. But uh, that is going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all. Shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yeah. Give me the mic so I can take it away. Off on the natural charge, bone for yards. Yeah, from the home of the Dodger Brooklyn squad. Who tank club, he's on the score. Rain on your college ass, just don't come. Well, you didn't even touch my skill. You gotta go to one killer B, and he ain't gonna kill now. Chop that down, pass it all around. Lyrics get hard, quick cement to the ground. For an EMC and any 52 states, I get psycho. Killer, Norman Bank, my producer slam. My flow is like, bam, jump on stage, I think I did that. I went, I went for my cue for the uh, the groaning. Uh... I mean, they're, they're, like I know you want dead ET, but there's no scene there. It's just him yeah, walking it's, up. It's... But, but there's no scene to talk there. It's just him walking up, and being like, "Oh, that sucks." Like there's no dialogue yeah. in the scene. And then and then the uh, the scary men come. Uh, uh, actually, I don't know if he groans. I don't know. If he, I don't know if he makes he any. He doesn't noise. make any sound. And the, the yeah, he's just like white he in the river. He's supposed to get it all the way home. <laughs> like, yeah, right. He's got to He's got it. Well, this is like post Halloween, so he's got to like. He's got all the the droopy makeup on still. Uh, Elliot does, right? Yes. Yeah, droopy makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Droopy dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Actually, I can't do. Is that droopy dog? Going up. That's that's yeah. I was like, he's he. Uh, I was doing. Oh no, like uh, like uh, like Hans Mole Man. No, <laughs> I love Hans Mole Man. Um, I'm only thirty one years old. Um, 
no, I was doing oh oh no like um uh Peter Griffin's neighbor, but an old person. Oh, okay. What's his face? I can't remember. Whatever. I can't think of the name. The giggity guy. Oh, that's Quagmire. Qua- that did uh, not sound like Quagmire. <laughs> no, I yeah, but it's it's old Ben Quagmire. Oh no. Droopy dog and his little nephew. Like that sounds more like Cleveland than Quagmire. No, this is my Cleveland. It's not bad. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think impressions are the first thing that a lot of people do when they were growing up. So. But I mean, you know, you just get used to them. <laughs> Cleveland came along. He was too easy, though. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> I don't know. 